Welcome, everyone, to a very special edition of Fergo and the Freak. My name is the Glorious League Freak, and today I'm talking to rugby league statistician, rugby league author, and rugby league historian, Andrew Ferguson, who has a brand new book out that is out today and available at all good bookshops called The Story of Rugby League. Andrew, congratulations on your book. It is absolutely amazing. Thanks, mate. It's, uh, it's great to be on the show. Yeah, it's fantastic to be able to introduce you and to be able to promote your book because I read it during the last week and it is the absolute perfect introduction to the history of rugby league. So everyone should buy it if you've got any any interest in rugby league at all. This is the first book you should buy if you want to know about the history of the game. So we're going to talk about the book today and uh, let's get stuck into it. That's good. Excellent. So you grew up in a country town. And you loved the game from a very early age, but it was difficult to see the game at that point in your life when you were a kid until the age of eight where you saw your first rugby league game. Yeah, I was um, just mucking around the TV one day and put on the old ABC and had they had the Saturday game on and it was um, a final between Balmain and Cronulla. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, um, you know, I'm quite obviously a Tigers fan, but when I first watched that game... I was immediately drawn to the fact that Cronulla had a player whose first name was Andrew, and that was Andrew mm-hmm. Eddinghausen. Mm-hmm. And because I come from such a tiny town, I was just amazed that there was another human out there that had the same first name as me. So I thought, <laughs> I'm just going to follow him. And so I started Im- immediately following the Sharks. Mm. And it wasn't until the year later that um, Tim Brasher came along, and it was just before my ninth birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, and the commentators were saying how he's still in school. And so I attached myself to him going, I'm in school too. So oh, I started following cute. him and I started becoming a Balmain <laughs> fan because of him. So I sort of always had that, always followed Balmain and the, and the West Tigers after that because of that yeah. weird incident, but always had a bit of a soft spot for the Sharks as well. Yeah, I was the same. My first team that I supported was the Sharks. I've actually got a tiny little Sharks jersey that I got when I was four. Um, and my favourite player was Andrew Eddinghausen for, until I was a teenager. Um, so, yeah, so I get you with that sort of thing. I would love to know how many young kids their first team that they supported was the sharks just because sharks are cool yeah it'd be a good question i mean my daughter goes for them probably because she's been um forced to by her mum, who's a massive sharks fan but um if she's not shown any inclination to want to go in a different direction i think it's a pretty cool cool logo a lot of kids do like the they like the sharks thing and so yeah a good marketing yeah yeah it certainly is um now, you talked about being nine years old, and for your ninth birthday, you probably you received a book that probably started you on a lifelong journey, and it was uh, one of David Middleton's yearbooks, and that got you into statistics and the history of the game, and that's really young to be interested in those sorts of things. What was it about the statistics and history of the game that made you just get into it so much at that young age? Yeah, I don't really know. The thing that's interesting about it is um, I was struggling at, at maths at school. Mm-hmm. And when I got that book, I got it, you know, my birthday always falls in the um, the June holiday period for, you know, school kids. It's the same so time I, every year, huh? Yeah, I'm so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I, I give everyone a, a holiday whenever I have my birthday. You should all be thanking me. But, um, it's like you and Jesus. Pretty much, yeah. I, don't know if Jesus deserves that much praise, but, you know. <laughs> but, um, I just remember sitting there looking at it, and I thought, 
I, I started doing things like tallying up how many points the players had scored and trying to work out how the scoring system worked because obviously I was very new to it at the time. Yeah. And once I figured it all out, I started adding up players' summaries to get their point scorers tally at the end of every round because they weren't oh. they wasn't displayed in the book at the time. Yeah. And it's just little things I was doing like that. And after a while, I realised I was starting to find patterns in maths that made sense. Mm-hmm. And when I went back to went back to school, um, just started kicking ass in maths all the time. And I went, oh, yeah, I like this. I'm learning yeah. about rugby league. I'm getting better at maths at school. And so it just sort of stemmed from there. I just wanted to sort of keep learning, expanding on my knowledge that way. And doing it through rugby league was the way I was getting it done. Um, yeah, just because you, I picked it up to, you know, late in the history of the game, it mm-hmm. wasn't until I started reading other mag, other um, other of Middleton's annuals that I realised that there were some from before that. Yeah. And so when you realise there were some before it, you go, oh, I wonder how far back it goes. Yeah. And then you realise it went a long time before his first edition. Yeah. So I then start seeking that out and going further back and trying to find more information and spending a lot of time in libraries. It wasn't easy to find information back then in libraries because not all of it was on was available. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it just sort of grew from really mundane sort of um, incidents, I guess. And were there, were there books that stood out for you? Like, I feel like there's... For rugby league history books in Australia in particular, there's certain ones that stand out. Um, and I think about the there was the Encyclopedia of Rugby League Players, which I think is fantastic. Uh, the grand, the one about grand finals, I can't remember who wrote that one. Um, but that, like, were there ones that stood out for you that you were like, oh, I love this one, I love that one? Yeah, not so much from my childhood, but all over the um, anything that Sean Fagan has written. Mm-hmm. Um, I regard him as possibly the um, top of the line as far as rugby league historians go. Mm-hmm. He the captures of- the he captures like the magic of it when he writes as well. It's not just he, he go he has this extra thing about his writing where he he captures something extra about the history of the game as well, which I really like. He really does, and he he gets you to properly understand not just the situation, but what what was going on with society and how they view that sort of stuff at the same time because that's the hardest part to convey when doing history writing. And I must admit, it's something I've always failed at. And I've always had this approach, if I can't properly explain it, I won't try. I'll just stick to the topic at hand. But mm-hmm. he has that knack of properly giving you that impression of what the time was like and why the decisions that were made by players to go professional, for example, why it was such a um, contentious decision for them to make. So, yeah, uh, yeah really love his writing and uh, phenomenal researcher. So um, definitely the thing he's done is is, is absolute magic. Um, well, there was a few others, actually. Yeah, the any, most of Alan Whitaker's stuff. Mm-hmm. He's the one who did the, the uh, Encyclopedia of Rugby League Players mm-hmm. with uh, Glenn Hudson. Mm-hmm. And he also did... That other book you mentioned, actually. Yeah, the Rugby League Grand Finals one. That's the one, yeah. He did that one as well. Um, Ian Head's book, True Blue. Mm -hmm. That's phenomenal. That's about the history of the New South Wales Rugby League. He also did one about the kangaroos. I got those as Christmas presents as well and birthday presents. Once people found out that I was mad keen on Rugby League and its history, Mm. it just opened them up to go, all right, we'll just get him these books. Get him a book, yeah. <laughs> seemed like cop out for a lot of them, but it, it was just absolute bloody magic for me because I just got yeah. tons of genuine history books. 
Um, and in more recent times, um, the works of, of Will Evans, for example, um, he's written four or five books. Uh, and they're just, they're, they're concise without being, without leaving anything out, but yeah. they're still big books. So, you know, you're getting plenty of information at the same time. Yeah. And he's covered things like state of origin in, in the sort of detail that only really rugby league project does. Plus he's put biographies and stuff in there, which we haven't bothered to do. And he's done match reports and stuff of every origin game. Um, a book on rugby league rivalries, which is, that's just brilliant reading. Um, short history of rugby league. There was another one I think of rugby league lists as well. I'm, I'm fairly certain he's got another one coming out later on this year. Yeah, uh, love his work. Um, I'll never miss anything he does. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much the the guys who I pretty I follow pretty religiously are those sort of guys. And obviously, you've got every um, annual by David Middleton. Yeah, yeah. So I don't when to... did you realize you wanted to write a book yourself? Like to have this amazing you know love for the history of the game at what point did you go like oh, i might write one myself it's actually quite interesting because that the decision i made that i want to write a rugby league book was actually what led me to uh becoming part of the the team that now owns rugby league project because mm-hmm. i wanted to write a book that had full match details of every player and every game that was played for every season just have a massive book that had all of those in there, like like yearbooks, but just do them decade by decade. Mm. And I was doing some research for for one season uh, online because I wanted to verify some information. And the only website that came up with some sort of information related to it was Rugby League Project. And it was only a new website at the time. So I got on there and had a look around his website and went, this is pretty cool. Um, he doesn't have much on here that I'm looking for. Maybe I can help him out. You know, we're both working towards the same goal here. Why don't I just abandon this book idea and just work on the website. So I contacted Sean uh, Dolan, who runs the site. And he was was like, okay. He only set it up to be a little hobby thing for him to muck around with. Mm -hmm. I said, I can give you a whole lot of information if you want. You know, I'm just happy to help out. And so I gave him a whole heap of data and did a whole heap of research. And after about six months, he says, you've done so much more here than I ever thought I'd do. I'm just going to make you a co-owner. I was like, wow, cool. That was like the most awesome (laughs) thing ever. (laughs) And so I've just been there ever since doing that sort of stuff. But the desire to write a book had always been there. Yeah. I just didn't know I didn't know what to write about because the stuff I was interested in writing about had kind of been covered in a lot of other books. So I was trying to come up with an idea that was unique and different to everything else but still touching on what I wanted to do. And it was actually Alan Whitaker who came up with the idea for this one, which was more focused on trying to get kids interested in the history of the game because nothing's been done in that area before. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll be all over that, absolutely. Yeah, and that's why, like, I've I've read a lot of rugby league history books and this one just seems like the perfect introduction. If you, if you have any interest in learning about what has happened over the history of the sport, it's so to the point and it's just laid out so beautifully. Like, it, it's such a fantastic book. Um, how long did it take to put the book together? Well, I was given, I think, I've gone off a hazy memory here, about six weeks to write all the text in it. Yep. So that had to be done pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Alan Alan Whitaker, who is, who is the publisher, I think he probably spent about a month getting images and doing the layout of it all. Mm-hmm. So I think it was pretty much at the printing press sometime around, because I started the writing in late October. 
Yeah. And they had the text by November. I think the it hit the printers around February, late February, early March. Mm-hmm. And they hit the shelves so in May. A very quick process then. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was smashed out pretty quick. So it was um but in saying that it was not a because it was my first book and I was so excited about it. Yeah. I was sort of waking up every day going, I want to write some more chapters. I want to get some more stuff done. Yeah. I want to do this. And this. <laughs> it was hard to actually sit down and take the time to probably go through it and process it a little bit better. But yeah, yeah. Um, so excited about it. And, um, yeah, that was the, the first first edition. This is the second edition that's coming out. And this sort of one to get, this is like, and having a look at the book too, like the way that it's laid out is beautiful and there's a lot of amazing pictures and just memorabilia that's shown in the book and it just complements the writing so well. Yeah, it's, um, full credit goes to Alan for the, for the layout. You know, if, if that had been something that I would have designed, it would have just been six A4 pages between two hardcovers, you know. <laughs> um, he, he has really brought it to life. Um as I said, when I when I got my first copy of it and flicked through it, I went, "Wow!" I never thought that this would be something that I. I felt like all I had done was contributed to it. I, I couldn't believe it actually had my name on it as the author because it's just going to yeah. go on. It looks so much more magnificent than I ever expected it to. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a beautiful book. Um, is there a, one of the stories or sections out of the book that was your favourite to write on, or that? just stood out to you that you really wanted to make sure you got into the book? Yeah. Um, the women in rugby league section in 1920, um, mm. because it's, it's something that's never really been mentioned. And obviously women's rugby league is, you know, it's humming along pretty quickly right now and gaining a lot of popularity uh, and rightfully so. But about two years ago, I wrote an article about the first ever game of rugby league played by women in Australia. And, mm. It was just about the lead-up to it and the actual match. I didn't write anything about what happened afterwards. I just wanted to focus yeah. on the positives of the whole thing yeah, and yeah. what they had to overcome and how the actual match was received. And it drew a crowd. That game drew a crowd of 20,000, which I'm not yeah. too sure if it's been beaten or since for a, a female sports um, contest in Australia. But yeah. if it hasn't, I wouldn't be surprised. It was a massive crowd. Everyone turned out to watch it. Um, and so I really wanted to have that in there because I felt that was something that was important to... Um, to to the history of the game because mm-hmm. as obviously when you get towards the end of the book you you come back to it with the talk of the the Gillaroos and the the um the National Rugby League Women's Competition now so it yeah. sort of ties into that and it also means that it's got something in there for for girls to read as well because too many of these sports books are just all about the men and the testosterone and blokes and stuff like that and yeah I want to make I want to somehow try and get in there that women have been involved in the game as well. Yeah, and it's funny because the history of things like that go missing. And, like, for most people, if you said to them, well, when have women been playing rugby league? They'd say, oh, just in the last couple of years. But there is a real long history of it. And to go back that far and and find the the first games like that, that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, and they still... The men were still looking at it, like the people who ran the rugby league at the time, they still looked at it like it was some sort of novelty thing and the women were just mucking about, you know, like they weren't serious about this. They're just women, yeah. you know. That was kind of the attitude. And mm. then they found out that the women were not only um, deadly serious about playing this game and turning it into a genuine competition, mm-hmm. they also found out that I think 
this is just my impression, okay, of what I've read, but I get the impression that they felt a bit threatened by how good they were at managing what they had done because they set this, they set up this first game and mm. done all their funding and stuff like that all on their own in the space of a few months. Wow. And it took rugby league so long to get set up and it almost failed once or twice <laughs> along the way. And, yeah. Oh, these women just rocked up and they just started making us look really <laughs> shit straight away. And I'm like, you know, and even the attitude rugby league administrators after the game was played and the big gate they got and how well they were organised, yeah. there's this impression that they felt a bit threatened because yeah. they started after supporting it and trying to help it out and trying to get it off at the ground. After they saw how well it went for that first game, the the New South Wales rugby league pulled away from it. Wow. But they did, they they banned it. They didn't want anything to do with it. They just went, oh, and they, they knew straight away it was a threat, and so it just it just fell to the wayside. So yeah, that's incredible. That yeah. like, and that's one of the things about the current women's comp. I wanted it to be run by women and set up and have their own teams and stuff, not attached to the NRL for that very reason. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that sentiment. Exactly. Um, if they are, if they were separate and on their own. They wouldn't have any of the baggage that came with the NRL, mm-hmm. but because it's rugby league, they still get to they still get to have that recognition that it's a game of rugby league that's affiliated with the NRL. So yeah, it's, so yeah. it's kind of getting the best of both worlds. You, you're losing the crap, and you still got the good side of it all. Yeah. So yeah, I would I would have been absolutely stunned with that, especially if they had have had um, maybe two or three more teams in the in the first season. I can yeah. understand why they went with four, but it just seemed a bit. I don't know. It just seemed a, a bit tentative that first step yeah yeah i agree and especially considering that that there were already teams and things set up they already had a league um and it i don't know i I was the same as you i i kind of i wanted there to be more to it um from the get-go i wanted them to be aggressive with it and i think they played it super super conservative oh i agree um i do believe the event they've got more teams this year haven't they I think I read uh, that somewhere. I'm not. I'm not sure. I, like I, I haven't seen. I think that they were going to change the way that they basically had a point system for their salary base. What their salary cap was, so it was going to be a better distribution of players across the competition. I don't know that they've added more teams to it yet, though. Okay. So, um, one thing I wanted to ask you: Is there an era in the game's history that you consider to be the golden era for rugby league? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, yeah, look, I think I think the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Um, we just had so many great players come through, and we also had the Queensland Rugby League um, come up to speed with the New South Wales Rugby League. So we had genuine interstate competition. Yeah. Um, and the quality of players we had in the 20s. Um, yeah, obviously they're not names that people people today really know much or understand, but the qualities of them, how how bigly praised they were, and how much they managed to achieve, and how fantastic the quality of the game was in the twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was phenomenal. The thirties was ruled obviously by war, and mm-hmm. as was the forties. Um, and then you had the fifties and sixties where the game started to change, and and the money started becoming a a, a big factor in the game. Mm-hmm. So I think the twenties was the last full. Um, you know, untouched uh, decade where the game was just allowed to grow and expand, and it just it just went went from strength to strength everywhere it was played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had a lot of, uh, I guess, it, 
as you say, because of war come in and, and then money and stuff like that, it was there was some purity to it and uh, a magic to it about that time in the game's history. And it had, it had moved beyond just trying to establish things um, early on in the game's history. It, had, it was starting to become into a, an era of rude health and, with, as you say, with Queensland getting better and, and a lot of star players coming from Queensland um, just a really magical moment in the game's history at that point. Yeah, and I mean Queensland was so strong too that we even had New South, you know, famous New South Wales players were going to Queensland to play because some of them had the impression that that may have actually been the premier competition. So I had, mm. um, I mean, Jimmy Craig's a good example. Played in New South Wales for a while and then went up to Queensland, had a stellar career up there. Um, but there are others, Harold Horder and the like. So yeah, it was it was good that you actually had that period there where both competitions were. Pretty much equals. Mm-hmm. Now, the the last thing I wanted to talk about in the book was actually in the very beginning where you you thanked uh, your wife and your child and that, which I thought was absolutely beautiful. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say about your book, um, and then tell us where we can get it? Um, yeah, look, I mean, obviously the the whole idea of this book was I wanted to write something that was the sort of history book that I wish I had when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, because. Uh, as you know, every history book that was around when we were kids were, you know, these things which had 15 billion pages in it and mm-hmm. walls and walls of text and it would take you all year <laughs> to read as a kid. So I just wanted to have something that was, you know, light and fluffy. You can quickly go through it. It doesn't sit there and, and linger on the bad instance that went on in the game. Um, mm. It profiles key moments, key players. Um, there's good little profiles in there along the way. It's got a few stats and stuff in there as well. Um, and it goes all the way up until this this uh, one's coming out today. Will go all the way up until 2018. So it's relevant and up to date as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's yeah, you know, it's all packed into about 90 pages. So, yeah, and it's and as you say, it's so it hits all of the major points in the game's history, and it it gets right to them as well, which I think was fantastic. So anybody that would like to know about rugby league history, you pick up this book, you're up to speed straight away. It's That's what I loved about it. Yeah, and it's not just for kids either. I mean, you could be, you know, my old man, for example, would read it because it gives you a good history of everything. It's, it doesn't talk like you talk to you like you're an idiot either. You know, it's, yeah. it's not a condescending tone. It's just... Yeah, it's not I'm, simplified. It's just, it gives you the information that... It, you really you need to know, which is what I thought was fantastic about it. Like, it's good for kids... But it's, as you say, an adult can sit down and read it, and it is, like, it tells you everything. It's fantastic. It's so comprehensive. Yeah, it's, um, the hardest part was obviously leaving leaving stuff out. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the funny thing, a last little bit about, the book was supposed to be about 45 pages initially. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks to Alan, he, he got us to, he, he managed to get the publishers to accept to have it pushed out to 80, I think it is, or, or 90 or so. Yeah. <laughs> It's it was hard to try and cut that much out, and I think yeah. he's, um, full credit goes to him for the, the layout of it and the way it all works and the way it's all come together. Because um, God, he's done a phenomenal job to turn those little snippets of information into something as as good as that as good as it's turned out. Yeah, well, it's look, it's a beautiful book. You should uh, congratulations on it. You should be very very proud of it. Um, it can be purchased today from QBD. Uh, Angus and Robinson, Collins Booksellers, and Dimmicks, and basically anywhere where 
good books are sold, as the old saying goes. Um, and everyone should go out and buy it. Just get out there, buy this book. It is fantastic. Um, I absolutely loved it. So thank you so much for uh, talking about the book today. And as I said, congratulations. It's it's a fantastic achievement. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, get out there and buy it. And you can also get it online everywhere as well. Um, just to do a simple Google search, but every single online bookshop will have it. So, yeah. The story, the story of rugby league. Buy it, buy it right now. Um, so, where can we follow you? And you've got your Patreon. I'd like you to talk about that, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, obviously I'm on Twitter. Everyone knows I'm uh, Andrew RLP on Twitter. Uh, run the Rugby League Project website. We do have a Patreon page. It's uh, www.patreon.com/rlproject. On there, we just do basically updates on, you know, changes to the website, any information we find along the way that's intriguing or interesting. Um, there was a good one actually the other day about a player who played under two different names, and for a long time oh, yeah. we don't, yeah, for a long time he's been recorded, and probably even still today, still been recorded as the two different players, and that's just the one. So we, <laughs> when we find those little bits of snippets of information, we'll put them up there as the article so people can have a read about it and just look at some of the quirky tidbits of history on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and all, there's also stuff on there that's exclusive for Patreon members, which is um, NRL tipping and, and betting stats. Mm-hmm. Um, and also put on there my, my uh, four-year-old daughter's tips. She had she started the season on fire, but she's fallen away pretty rapidly since. But um, she's still <laughs> the cute little video, so you can watch her picking the teams. Having yep. a bit of yarn about it, so yeah, it's all that sort of stuff on there. Um, the money is is to go towards obviously site costs initially, and mm-hmm. the pipe dream is um, to earn enough on there so that I can work on it as a full time job. Um, yeah. Because to be honest, it kind of needs that the amount of work we've got to put into it and what's what's to be done and what's got to be added in in the future. Um, yeah, there's decades of work there. So, and um, it's a real pillar of rugby league sites. Which is incredible because, as you as you say, there weren't really too many sites like that at one point, and it, this is one of the foundation sites in rugby league. So any support that can be given to it through the Patreon, um, I just encourage everyone to do it. Yeah, and look, you only got to put in a, you know one or two dollars uh, a month, mm. and it all it all adds up. Um, so yeah, it's hopefully we can um, get enough on there so I can work on it full time and. Some of the stuff we want to put in there that we're working on at the moment is every club game played in England at every pro and semi-pro level since 1895. Mm-hmm. We've got the data ready to go. We've just got to it's it's got to be taken from handwritten documents and put into Excel spreadsheets so we can put it into the website. Um, that's very time-consuming work. Um, all the scorers and team lineups for the New South Wales Rugby League games I've done from uh, 1908 to 1940 and from 1976 to last weekend mm-hmm. so there's just that gap in the middle there to, to finish off there started work on the brisbane rugby league comps um yeah there's so much stuff that we're we're working on and plan to add in there there's no parameter set on what the site will do so it'll just keep growing over time so yeah any any money you can throw in there um that would be greatly appreciated yeah and it, i mean it's doing a service for rugby league too because this is the history of the game and and to have it uh, digitized is just incredible. So yeah, I'd encourage everyone just support the site um, and get on that Patreon. Absolutely. So thanks very much. Um, 
I'm going out to buy another edition of the book, and it's The Story of Rugby League by Andrew Ferguson. So everybody go out, get a copy, and uh, tell everyone to get a copy. Put pictures up on your on your Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and um, show your support for Andrew because this is one fantastic book. So thanks very much, Andrew. No worries, mate. Thank you. Excellent. We'll catch everyone soon. Bye-bye. Yeah.